COVID-19 has provided significant challenges to churches and Christian leaders all across Australia. Yet the opportunities to speak to people about the brokenness of the world and the need for an eternal hope in Jesus is greater than it has ever been. At the Sydney Planting Conference in November, we'll be exploring the why and how of the next wave of planting in Sydney and beyond, and how these plants can reach those who need Jesus. If you've thought about or are thinking about planting, even in the distant future, or if you're leading a church and you want to explore different models for planting and multiplication, and the kind of leader that you'll need to look out for, November 27, 9.30 to 12.30 p.m. at Scott's Church, Sydney, the Sydney Planters Conference. Go to GenevaPush.com to register. LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Anna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for Gospel Centre Ministry every week. Now, we are on, in the lead up to Christmas. Derek, what, is, what does Hannah, Hannah Christmas look like? Uh, it does depend. All our family is in Sydney. So we're in Brisbane, if you don't know. And I am not sure whether we're going to be able to get back down to Sydney. So it's going to look a little, little bit different this year. Quarantined. Um, Quarantined Hannah's. Quarantine. Listen, it's hard. In fact, I flicked an email to Daniel Lim the other day just to see how we're doing. And I mentioned we'd gone on holidays. And I said, it's pretty hard to complain when your holiday is you going to the Barrier Reef. So it's not <laughs> that bad being quarantined in Queensland. But that's probably what it'll be this year. Now, The One Thing is brought to you with thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Plan Network. We're also proudly part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. And we encourage you to check out our network page on iTunes and see all the other quality Christian podcasts available there. But for now, you've pressed play on another episode of The One Thing, Pitfalls of New Churches. Now, Derek, I just want you to sort of throw out all the pitfalls, all the mistakes that you've seen over the years of, uh, of seeing church planting in Australia. All the mistakes I've made as well. Oh, yeah. You can, I'm happy for you to be vulnerable and to, to share Absolutely. all your mistakes as well. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that permission to be vulnerable. That's excellent. Thank you, Scott. Uh, well, listen, this is just a, um, a number of things we've seen as, as people launch churches, mistakes I made, mistakes we've seen other people make, uh, and just trying to get ahead of the curve. In fact, we're running our Planters Boot Camp um, in October uh, and November. And we're talking through some of these things. So, um, and, it's, and, it's, and it's important. I mean, the, the reason we're having this conversation is uh, we want uh, you, our listeners, to, to listen and reflect and think about what this looks like for your context. We, wanna, we want you to see if you're making any of these. Uh, and if you are thinking about planning, we definitely want you to avoid them. We, we talk about you need to make your own mistakes and your own new mistakes. And if you're an established church already, you may find these exist too. So, we're, I mean, obviously we're listening to Derek on this because he is old, but, you know, let's kick us off. Thank you, Scott. All right, here's the first one. Here's the, first, the first conversation I had with uh, anyone who's looking to plan is this, tell me who you're trying to reach and tell me how you're going to reach them. Uh, so the, the first pitfall is not having clarity on, on those questions. Who, who am I trying to reach in this plan? 
um, if you're just kind of planning out of dissatisfaction and frustration with everyone else around you, it's not a good place to begin from. Um, so having clarity about who it is you're trying to reach, whether that's a, a geographic area, whether it's a, um, a subculture, uh, whatever else it might be, if you can't answer that question, um, you're, you're setting yourself up for big problems down the line. So um, it's a question, it's a, it's a, it's a more specific question below the bigger, you know, the bigger sort of, I guess, clarifying purpose of all churches, which is to make, you know, mature disciples. You're actually saying, you know, who, who are you specifically targeting, focusing, trying to reach? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly right. Because it does shape what you do. Um, so it shapes not only the kind of poetry you have, your visions and your values and the, and the outcomes you want to see in the church, but it does shape the plumbing of the church as well. What do Sundays look like? What, what does it look like to connect with them, connect with the community uh, and help them understand Jesus? In what ways does the gospel intersect with what they believe, what their heart issues are, what the existential crisis and cries of their heart are? If you don't know who it is you're trying to reach, you're just kind of stabbing in the dark of that stuff. And you might get someone... Um, but, um, you know, it might not be the right person. Can you, can you just break down who's the who? How do, you, how do you help planters conceive of the who? That's a good question, Scott. Um, well, generally planters, when they come, uh, the people at least we're assessing in Geneva, they've already got someone on their mind. It's just about sharpening that question. Um, but if we're asking them to sharpen the who, we are saying it it's generally falls into two broadly speaking, fall into two categories. One is a geographic area. So, so understanding who it is within that geographic area, what the, the makeup of it is, and not restricting your mission to that, but just saying we need to shape it around something. But the person who walks in the door on the Sunday, they become your mission field, even if they don't look like exactly who you've articulated. But it could be a geographic area. It could also be a, a subculture as well. That's probably the other aspect to it. So within a geographic area, um, within a wider regional area like a city, it could be a particular um, subculture you're trying to reach, whether that's a cross-cultural ministry uh, that you're going for. Oh, yeah, I, that, that's really helpful. Understanding the who then helps you be really clear about how you're going to reach them. What do you, what do you say to a, a, a planter who's, who's not married, a planter who's married about the, their marriage relationship? Well, I want to throw this one back on you, Scott, because when you, when you, uh, the early days of Geneva push, uh, one of the key things was um, for people who are married, they're planting together. So why is it that you guys chose to do that and not just assess uh, the guys in that? Yeah. So I guess there's a, cu- a couple of things, but uh, two sort of tools that I, that I saw, you know, just from reading, reading around the place. The first was uh, Alan Thompson's, uh, church planner sort of assessment or leadership inventory. And uh, he actually uh, did, did some work around the spouse. And so he talks about spousal cooperation. And so that was a, that was a, a term that I sort of, you know, thought about and reflected on, but it's really important that uh, the spouse is, is on board uh, and, and with the husband in the mission. So they, they don't necessarily need to be, you know, the most amazing, you know, the amazing church plan, church planning wife, but they definitely need to be on board and behind um, the project. So, so that was the first one. The second one was a book called Landmines, uh, Church Planning Landmines. Uh, and in that, you know, spousal co- cooperation came up as well. And so I, that, um, when we say the most amazing church planning life, well, I suppose what we're saying there as well. Not is- Jack, like not everyone can have Jackie, I guess is what I'm saying, Derek. Not everyone can have Jackie. That's <laughs> not quite where I was going with that. That's okay. <laughs> That's true. But our marriage does work like that. Not everyone can have Jackie. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the, the reality is on that as well. 
each wife is going to engage differently with the plan. That's actually okay. It's about being deliberate on the challenge we do find that area is sometimes the guy has a clear vision of what they want to do and they are running ahead. Yes. And they, they, they're convincing everyone else. But they haven't sat and spoken to their wife about this. It's not their wife isn't on board necessarily. They just don't know what's going on and aren't aware of the implications. So, so from, the, yeah, from day one, we've always had that culture. We, we've tried to provide childcare where, you know, families have had kids. Uh, we've also tried to, you know, make it as cheap as possible for a, you know, a, a planting couple from college to, to come to a conference because yeah, as you say, we don't want them running ahead. We actually want them committed and, and unified on this. Yep. Absolutely. Um, next one, launching too early, not being well, enough. I think that's, that's an area we've, we've, we've really pushed into last year in a couple of different ways, you know, in sort of thinking about multi-site and, and launching strong and thinking about sort of mother daughter planting. And, and we've kind of, we've kind of wrestled with the figure because, you know, Australia is, is so diverse and I think we've got that attitude of sort of just have a go and just sort of get it, you know, get it done. I think our, our leadership culture in Australia is often quite, uh, quite re- reactive. And so really we've been pushing people to, to slow down and not launch, say, a new campus or a new congregation or a mother-daughter plan until you're at the sort of, you know, 55, you know, 55 to 65 range. And, uh, and, that, and that's been, a, I think, a, a good, hard conversation to be having with people. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And, and, uh, and in some ways, again, that's driven by how you're going to try and reach people. And so, you know, if you, if you want to have, a you know an attractional Sunday gathering service with a good vibrant kids ministry, then you, you, the reality is you just need you know bodies you know bodies in the room and, and families in the room, and so uh, it it helps push towards that. The other thing as well is it takes time to build that launch team, and there is a there's an energy and there's a momentum in building that launch team that you know ascending church gets and a church planner gets. You know the the sitting in the lounge room for a, for as long as you can or the garage for as long as possible, making it uncomfortable. I think is is just such a good vision tool, but also a a helpful tool in just building momentum for for that launch date. Yeah, and it's always uncomfortable after you plan if you have to make up the story as every church plan has to you got to make up the story about being just starting in the garage with your wife and your dog. So make um, sure you have, make sure you take photos of that or you know retrospectively Photoshop's really good for Photoshop me. even if they're staged you just got to have that story. Yeah. <laughs> now Derek you've been really pushing into the church planner assessment process. Um you know having the wrong guy as a church planter, where have you seen this as a, as a pitfall? Yeah, it's interesting that frozen, the, the, the wrong guy, like that's certainly, it certainly is a reality that church planters do need a particular wiring and gifting and they're not, um, they're not more important than other people in leadership. There's just a particular wiring for church planters. Um, but the, the, the wrong person can sometimes be less about character and more about um, wiring for a context of planting. And so if we, we talk about, we've had a whole series on this, but around the models of church planning, if you put a person who is highly pioneering into a context where it's a multi-site model and what they would do is restricted by the DNA and the vision of the church, um, they're going to buck against the goat on that one and they're not going to enjoy it. And so in that context, it's the wrong guy for the wrong context. And so what the assessment needs to do and what the assessment should do in that is help people match, um, understand the model that they're planning in and um, who it is they are as a leader and whether that fits where they are. Now, these conversations could be had before you get to the pointy end of assessment. Churches need to be thinking through this. What kind of leader are we looking for based on what kind of multiplication type that we're going for? Um, but the wrong person will be a mismatch in there um, as, well as, as well as outside of the model, just someone who, who there are issues with their heart and their character and playing that's massive 
um, as well as them not being prepared, uh, all the things that assessment will pick up. Uh, the, the wrong guy, which is a very broad phrase and sounds a little bit negative. Um, it actually can mean just they haven't thought through who they are, where they're planting um, and how that fits long-term. So, so guys are obviously, um, there's an, they're, they're, they're nervous about the assessment process often because the purpose of it is to highlight your strengths, uh, highlight the areas that you need to grow in. But it's, but it's purposeful, it's intentional in, in ensuring that, you know, the model, as you say, that the, the multiplication model that you're doing is, is, a, is a fit with the person who you're hoping to send or, um, or your desire and your planting model that you're, you're trying to achieve. So it's, it's a very, you know, it's a very helpful thing. Now, you've also seen, you know, people be sent out unassessed and you've seen people be assessed, uh, sent out who have been assessed but actually not quite ready, you know. So again, that urgency that we have to, to take the gospel out often, I think, means that we send someone out too soon or we send the wrong people out. Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty with this stuff as well. Um, you, you sometimes don't know the mistakes you're making until you make it. But part of the assessment within the network, Geneva Network, is we have planters doing the assessments. They know what it's like. They're on the side of the people they're doing assessments with. It sounds quite confronting having it done, but actually on the other side of it, people come back saying this has been really helpful in unearthing these things which we hadn't thought about in order to, to head off landmines. And that's what assessment is about. Is about. We're not going to get it right 100% of the time, but as much as we can keep learning together as a network around what the pitfalls are and what we need to ask, um, we're going to get, hopefully, under God, better results, people reaching more effectively who they're trying to reach uh, in the way they're trying to reach them. Now, in recent times, you know, we've seen, I guess, church planting leaders sort of blow up, you know, blow up churches. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not uncommon and it's definitely, uh, it definitely happens too much. What, what are some wrong reasons for planting that you've seen? Oh, I'm ticked off at my church. Uh, the guy I'm working for is a bit of a knob um, and I'm just going to get on the road and do my own thing. That's not an uncommon reason um, to plant a church. To be honest, I can do it. I can do it better than my church pastor. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'll do it better. Now, planters, part of them often they they do have a clear vision of what they want to do. Like they they've got a vision of what they want church to be like. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it when the motivation seems primarily from the fact that they are ticked off of, about where they are at the moment, not a holy discontent just an ungodly discontent with their senior or the people around them aren't doing, you know, that is an unhealthy place to plant from a very unhealthy place to plant from. Um, so we would be, we'd be strongly advising people to go and check their hearts on that one. Yeah. It's a, it, and that's a really, I mean, spiritual vibrancy is a, is a, is a competency. I mean, it's a character that, that we want to have. And I mean, I'd say that for established church leaders and, church planning leaders i say that for all in christian ministry we need to have a spiritual vibrancy that comes out of a a solid relationship with uh jesus Uh, what what about you know wanting to see your social media following increase oh i would love you love talking you love talking social media stuff i i could have if you followed me scott i would have a hundred percent increase on my social media following (laughs) um yeah it's a trap social media (laughs) 
I, this is a hobby horse. You know, it's a hobby horse. Just I know. It, I just, I just had to poke the bear and, and the bear's coming out straight away. Um, I, I understand. I caveat, I'm an old guy. I understand that there are good things and helpful things about social media um, for churches and it can be helpful for the gospel. I get that. But for church planners, it is a hugely dangerous trap. Um, it can, it can feed into narcissistic tendencies. It can feed into self-importance. Uh, the, the reason we plan might be to reach the lost, but social media can easily twist that to some sort of triumphalistic narcissistic, uh, leadership tool that actually just begins to point back to us and not the church that God is building or the people we're trying to reach. Uh, and it is so dangerous because part of when you're planning a church, you do want to raise the profile of what you're doing in order to call people mm. and invite them to join you and partner with you through prayer and finances and planting partners. But there's just this line sometimes that we can cross quite easily. And sometimes we just run right over it. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to hold the, you just, so just be aware of it. This is, you know, short, sharp, pitfall scatter. I was just finishing. Just be aware. Just be aware. <laughs> We're gonna so we're gonna record a ten part series on Derek's rants around social media, forty five minutes. But there just can be that. So I think that is a huge danger moving forward. Well, we need to be very conscious of how we use social media. Now, sort of final, you know, final one before we sort of you know do one sort of last go back. I I reckon a real key one that we've we've just been really thinking through in the context of relaunch uh, is is getting clarity. Um, you know, clarity for purpose for the whole church. And that's really important amongst your uh, core team or your launch team as well. You want to have a, a strong, cohesive um, launch team. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why we, we want that um, pre-launch work with not just the planter. So at our boot camp, we don't just invite the planter and the planning couple to that. We, we want the whole launch team to be there if they can, the core launch team, in order to think together as they build this DNA, they build the clarity around who they're trying to reach, how they're trying to reach them. It's a shared vision. Um, church and planning so, are not rogues. So I've heard Hurdy talk, you know, so a number of times about, you know, you sort of want to roll the landmines, you know, amongst those, those launch, launch team gatherings. You, you want to be raising, you know, your theological convictions. Uh, you want to be talking about the the nature of church. I think as well, you want to be presenting the future, the future picture. Um, so, so helping people to realize, okay, over the next two or three years, growth is going to be slow. Um, it's going to require lots of hard work, but also paint the picture of in 10 years time, this is where we want to be. We don't want to be in the lounge room anymore. We don't want to be a small church. Uh, we want to be a church, you know, a, a network of churches or a, a large church in this region, um, you know, healthy, vibrant. Um, so being, you know, being clear on on where you want to go is really important, but also being clear on that why. But not being afraid to mine for that conflict, not being afraid to, uh, you know, to raise those issues again, so you can you can move towards clarity. I think that's the number one, you know, the number one priority of a leader is to is to be clear on where you're going and uh, to over communicate and communicate that clarity. Yep. If you're clear on where you're going and who you're trying to reach, it actually helps other people to self-select out. That's that's the beauty of that clarity there. You've clearly articulated who you're trying to read, what you're trying to do. And if other people aren't on board with that, you are better for them to be elsewhere with a vision that they are buying into, not yours. Now, you, Geneva Push has done over, you know, I think 20, 20 assessments this year. Is there anything that we've missed that you're sort of, you know, picking up at the moment in the context of the last few years of church plants that you've seen across the network and across Australia? 
Oh, there's probably lots of things, but the beauty of an assessment process, if you're thinking about planning a church, it will raise the specifics for you. So we've spoken in the general um, today, what the assessment process does, and this wasn't necessarily a, a podcast about the assessment process, but this is exactly the reason we set it up to help answer these questions, to avoid as many pitfalls as we can. Learning as a network, not from one expert saying here's a problem, but from us as a network doing it. So I'd say the answer to that question on a very personal level is around the assessment um, process. And- and if I can speak to young blokes, because I think I can do that now that I'm 42 uh, <laughs> and feeling like an old bloke, uh, you know, don't be afraid to push into assessment. Um, I, I look at, you know, guys I looked up to like Al Stewart, uh, Craig Tucker, uh, Dave Martin, you know, down in Geelong. These are all old guys who have, have had significant ministries, planted churches, yet they still submitted themselves to an assessment process. And they submitted themselves to the uh, conditions as well, which, you know, which, which meant weight. Um, which, which, which I think is, is tough for a leader with, with experience, but you need that humility. Yeah. There's a little bit of hate mail coming your way after calling them old guys, but, um, <laughs> well-deserved. Right, Scott, you got any others? Yeah. I, I think the one that sticks out for me, uh, again, in that sort of church planning landmines book, I think it was, it, it sort of says, you know, planning to launch and then not having a plan afterwards, you know, so can I encourage church planners to have a two to three year plan, put in some expectations and growth goals and put in some conversion goals uh, and aim, aim to not stop doing mission once you've kind of launched your church, but actually use the, the setup and the, and the pre-launch phase to building cultures and habits around mission that you are then going to start to build over the, you know, over the years um, coming. So, so launch, you know, you can feel like, Oh, we've kind of got there. We've, we've planned our church. But really, that's just the start, you know, that's the start of the next, you know, 25, 30 years of your life seeing hopefully loads and loads of lives transformed. So, so don't, don't put everything into launch day, but see that as a really important day to celebrate, uh, but put plans in place for mission and growing the church after that. So Derek, uh, what's your one thing for today? One thing is just don't plan alone. Whether you're a single guy thinking about planning, whether you're a married couple and thinking about planning together, don't plan alone. Uh, leverage the the expertise of the people who've planned it before you uh, across Australia, across the world, but but locally here as well. Talk to them about what pitfalls they saw, what they experienced. Uh, get in contact with them. Assessment is a hugely helpful tool for that, but do not plan alone. And in doing that, you'll avoid a whole bunch of pitfalls. All right, Scott, what's uh, in the toolbox today? Well, the... The reality is the online resource library of Geneva Push is just so extensive. There's over 3,000 resources in there. So you could spend days and months uh, just listening to loads of Australian church plans on there. So let me highlight just a few. Uh, episode 66 to 69 of the one thing on growth barriers, really helpful to, to push into. Um, a webinar that we did on church planting reefs uh, a number of years ago. You'll see lots of bad graphics in that, I'm sure, uh, as, I, as I think back to, to the age of that one. But that's kind of a, a timeless episode. Uh, the book that I talked about, Church Planting Landmines by Nebel. Again, uh, really uh, a really simple uh, book that just raises some common things. I think importantly uh, in that, you, if you were to do the LifeWay Church Planner Assessment, you'll do a, uh, I, guess a, I guess, a landmines um, assessment, and that raises kind of all those questions. So as you do that assessment, just be thoughtful about, um, about what comes up there. Um, the other, the other th- resource that I encourage you to read is sort of uh, seven, uh, you know, I guess seven issues, problems of, uh, that church planners face. It's an article that Ed Stetzer did years ago for Exponential Conference. 
And, uh, and I think uh, it just, again, just a good thing to pull out and go, ah, oh, okay, I want, to, I want to be thoughtful about each of uh, those things. And then the final one, obviously get assessed. Get assessed with Geneva Push, uh, the Australian Church Planning Network. Give Derek Hanna a call. Talk with Madeline Galea, uh, our recruiting uh, director, and, uh, and she'll put you in touch uh, with our assessment tool. And then the final thing, if you're a young, a young bloke and you're thinking about church planning, uh, check out the church planter assessment tool. That's just a helpful thing just to see your readiness for church planting as well. And so I just want to keep encouraging, if you are young and you're listening to this, so if you're under 40, uh, maybe between 40 and 42, I reckon it's really helpful just to, to listen to lots of stories. Uh, you know, read stuff, you know, be hungry for all that you can learn about things. And, and probably the other thing I'd suggest is go and join a church, church plant. All right, excellent. Well, if you've loved what you've heard today on The One Thing, or even if you've just mildly enjoyed it, we would appreciate you taking a moment to rate the show on iTunes and leave a comment. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. I'm Derek Hanna. And I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon. <laughs>